Welcome into Running the Point on Radio Alabama Sports and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner here with you, changing the narrative in the sports talk industry or what sports talk should be old. Thank you for joining us once again on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports or on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio on your social media feed. we got a full show for you today. We've got South Alabama Director of Broadcasting and Play-by-Play Commentator J.D. Byers joining us on the phone later on, as well as Christian Page of CoverOne.net. An absolute gauntlet of picks this week will round out the show We finally have a good slate of college football as the Big 12, SEC, ACC all into their conference schedules. SEC has entered the picture, and we've got a great show for you once again. We'll start off this week's show talking about Auburn. Of all the top teams in the league, of all of the top ones, the top-tier teams, Auburn is the one team who is playing an opponent that could actually beat them this week. It's like a week one pop quiz in school. Your buddy got the other science teacher in the school, and their first grade in the class was a coloring sheet. Tennessee rolls up and is like, man, my teacher's so cool, we got to do a connect the dots to learn the bones. Auburn's like, what? I've got a quiz on the periodic table this coming up week. i got to know 1 through 50. That's not, that, that's not an easy week for Auburn this week. they got a, they got a quiz on isotopes and molecular bonds when we're talking about the Kentucky Wildcats. It, it is a sneaky and, and just kind of a quietly tough opponent on Auburn's schedule. And, you, and it's hard to peg how good Kentucky's going to be this year. We know they went 8-5 and five last year with a wide receiver at quarterback. And they bring back a ton everywhere else on the field, including the guy who was actually their starting quarterback, Terry Wilson. So when you look at Kentucky – Very experienced. They're probably going to be a little bit more put together coming into this football game. But here's the difference between the two students. Auburn and and the two students here, say Tennessee and some of these other teams that are playing the easier SEC teams, Auburn's going to learn a lot more about themselves after this week than the other teams will. That's a good and a bad thing when you're talking about Auburn here because there's going to be film for you to assess and improve on. You're going to actually have tangible information to improve with But every other team has your film as well, and they will know what your weaknesses are after this week, whereas you may not know what those weaknesses are if you're evaluating Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, unless maybe one of those smaller teams in the league, one of those worst teams in the league, are able to actually expose something. I'm kind of looking at that Florida Ole Miss game this week. We know Ole Miss had a very electric rushing attack last year with John Rice Plumlee at quarterback, fastest quarterback I've ever seen other than Lamar Jackson. And then you've got Jerry and Ely at running back, who's also a tough punch. It's a tough one-two combo to start there. Can Ole Miss possibly expose a gap in Florida's run defense? That's kind of the example that we're looking at there. Auburn, on their other hand, they're playing a bona fide tough opponent in the Kentucky Wildcats. On top of that, Auburn doesn't have long to figure out the material before the real test comes along. This is week one pop quiz. If you mess up on week one pop quiz, sure, it sets you back a little bit and your average looks bad and and if you're OCD like I was in school and let's say you had a bad first assignment and you're sitting there looking at a 75 as your average, that's going to bother you a little bit. Just like 0-1 is going to bother Auburn fans, especially considering they'll have lost to a basketball school. But if you go 0-2 and you fail the test the next week against Georgia, well, now you're playing catch-up all year long. 
Now your average is in the dumps. You're sitting with that low 70, and, you're, and, and you may not have that many other tests until the end of the season to really prove yourself for college football playoff rankings. It's like one of those classes where you only have three or four tests on, this, uh, uh, on the year, and you're trying to balance out something that you absolutely bombed at the start of the year. Auburn really doesn't have any other tests after the first two weeks until we get to seventh or eighth game of the season, really the last three games of the year. Considering I'm expecting LSU to be down, that that should be a disclaimer I should put in there. I'm not expecting LSU to be that good this year. So if you mess up against Georgia in week two, which is the real test, and you don't have a whole lot of time to figure out that material that you didn't do great in in week one, if you fail that, it puts you in a position where you're playing catch-up all year long, and that's not a place that you want to be at. Goodness, if Auburn started out 0-2, the uproar that would come out of the Plains from the fan base, and and also you got to look at it from a morale standpoint. Of course, Auburn can recover. The next three games are pretty easy after those first two, and Auburn could be looking at 3-2, and two, which still just bothers the OCD and someone when they're, when they're looking at a record there. You can still recover, but the margin for error is minuscule. It is tiny. And so Auburn needs to make sure they take this quiz seriously against the Kentucky Wildcats. So what are the questions on Auburn's quiz? Fortunately, Auburn knows the questions. The teacher has given them the material. You know what your question marks are entering the college football season this year if you're Auburn. And we'll run through them here for you, at least the ones that I've assessed them as. Question number one, who will emerge as the leader out of the backfield for Auburn? Who's going to be that guy at running back? Auburn's running game hasn't been good over the last two seasons. The offense has suffered against good defenses because of it. Auburn averaged just 3.9 yards per carry against Oregon, Texas A&M, Florida, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, and Minnesota last year. So the best teams on Auburn's schedule, Auburn couldn't run the football efficiently. That is not a recipe to win football games. Why do you think people are pulling their their hair out at halftime of the Georgia game last year, and Auburn's getting blanked. Didn't score until the fourth quarter. Oh, it's because they only averaged just over two yards of carry against Georgia last year. Not a recipe for success. Sean Shivers listed as the starter on the depth chart. Of course, Auburn does have a bunch of oars on that depth chart as well. I wouldn't expect anything less from Gus Malzahn. The other oars are DJ Williams and Tank Bigsby. How do they factor into the offense? Those guys are going to be the the, the bruisers. Those guys are going to be your power backs as opposed to Sean Shivers, who does have a lot of power and I honestly think he has the best vision and cutting ability on this team. The unfortunate nature of it is, is he is the smallest running back in this league and when there is a collision, it looks like a massive car wreck. Talking about Sean Shivers, I love the guy's intensity, how hard he runs. He runs mean. I love his vision. I love all of those qualities in him. I like his balance. I, I, I like how he can catch the football out of the backfield. I like all of those qualities except for the size. And the size is the one thing that could hold him back from being a bell cow running back in this league. But I do think he can get you a solid 10 carries a game. And if you can get those at four and a half to five yards a pop for Sean Shivers. Well, I think Auburn will be very happy with his role in this offense. Auburn needs a guy to lead this backfield. There's plenty of depth, but the Tigers need a go-to guy to lead the rushing attack if they're going to make it happen this year on the ground. Question number two, how will the passing game look? Will it be smoother this year? Bo Nix and the Auburn passing game was good at times, but once again, when they played the good opponents, that's where it got shaky. So I think the one word I would use to describe Auburn's passing attack last year was inconsistent. Nix had a completion percentage of just 57.6%, which doesn't scream smooth. 
Screams are rough. That number will have to go up this year if Auburn's going to be more efficient out of the passing game. Adding a consistent passing attack, a consistent passing threat to the offense is going to pull linebackers and safeties out of the tackle box. It's going to help Auburn out in the rushing attack. A lot of teams were able to just kind of cue in to Jatarvius Whitlow the past two years. Poor Auburn backfield because everybody knew that that was what was happening really on first down, and then that sets you up in a second and long, and, and Auburn wasn't able to stay ahead of the chains these past two seasons on offense. See question one about the importance of this passing game. Those two, Auburn's going to need balance this year, and I think Chad Morris brings that. I think Chad Morris brings a lot of new concepts into this offense as the new offensive coordinator, but you got to see it happen. you got to see it happen to make people believers, make fans believers, and make this team believers too because they've got to buy into the offense, and from press conferences and whatnot and, and so many of the receivers and defensive players alike saying that the offense is different this year, that it's more explosive. I feel like I've heard that every offseason with insert new offensive coordinator or play caller. I hope it's actually legit this year considering Chad Morris's pedigree and what he was able to do at all of his different stops. I'm excluding Arkansas, of course, but I think that's a completely different scenario. We saw how good he was at SMU. We saw how good of a coordinator he was at Clemson. He's got the track record. Let's see if he can reignite that at Auburn. And then my last question, only three on this test, but this teacher is an absolute savage because questions one and two were only worth one point. This one's worth five. This is one of those like five-part questions that if you get it wrong, Oops, you failed. Auburn's offensive line, how will it gel this year? Four new starters. Four. The lone returning starter who really didn't even start the entire season last year, he shared time with Caleb Kim at center, is Nick Brahms. We'll run through that depth chart that Auburn has on the offensive line. Left tackle Alec Jackson or Austin Troxel. Left guard Tayshawn Manning. Center Nick Brahms. Right guard, the transfer out of Akron, Brandon Council and right tackle Brodarius Ham, who I'm personally very excited to watch. Because everybody talks about on the defensive side of the ball that they don't want to have to line up against him. He hits hard. He's huge. He's a behemoth at right tackle, and I think he's somebody that Auburn's going to be able to run behind. So maybe we do see an improvement in the rushing attack with this new offensive line, whereas the past couple of years they've really struggled against really good pass, uh, pass rushers and then also just generally being able to run block. All five players are juniors, so experience isn't really the concern for me. They've got experience in the program, even though they may not have tons of game experience. I don't think the issue is with the talent or the experience. I think the issue is going to come with the chemistry and trying to figure that out, and you and you don't have any time to figure it out. You're playing two good defenses to open up the year in Kentucky and Georgia, so they're going to have to learn on the fly, and they're going to have to learn quickly. We don't know if this is one of the units that was affected by COVID-19 either through camp. We know Auburn had a little bit of a spat with it over the past three weeks. But we can expect that this won't be regarded as one of the best units in the SEC, at least after the first two games. We know that nobody's going to be applauding Auburn's offensive line after the first two games, at least from a statistical standpoint. People close to the program and covering the program, even right here on this show, we could be able to watch and say, yeah, they played a they played pretty well considering what they were going up against in Kentucky and Georgia. But after the first two weeks, nobody's going to be looking at Auburn's offensive line saying, yeah, these guys are in the running for being one of the best offensive lines in the country. That, that, that's not going to be the narrative. Go ahead and lower your expectations if you think that's going to be the case. And, and wow, you must be fun at parties if you do think that's going to be the case because I think some people might be looking at you strange. Kentucky and Georgia's front sevens, they're, they're two of the, the, more, the, the stouter in the conference, particularly Georgia's – this could be an all-time Georgia defense. At least that's what everybody's saying, which is setting the bar so high for a defense. 
we saw people t- talk like that in Auburn last year with their defense, and Auburn didn't meet that expectation. It was still a good defense, but it wasn't an all-time defense. So maybe that's setting the bar a little bit too high for Georgia. Might not be able to meet it. Still might be one of the best in the country, but it might not live up to all-time defense quality. We all know this to be true. This is the most important question on the quiz. If you get the offense right, or the offensive line right, the running game is going to be fine. Bo Nix is going to have time to throw. His completion percentage is going to go up. You know that if you get this one right, you're going to get a good grade in the test. But if you get it wrong, you are going to fail. You will absolutely fail. This question, this question is worth five points out of these three right here. You get it wrong, you fail the test. On the other side of this break, we'll talk to J.D. Byers, the director of broadcasting and the play-by-play commentator of the South Alabama Jaguars. we got Christian Page of CoverOne.net coming up later on in the show, and we've got game picks for you here on Running the Point. Radio Alabama Sports and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner here with you, now talking with the South Alabama Director of Broadcasting and Play-By-Play Commentator, J.D. Byers. J.D., thank you for taking the time to join us. Oh, hey, I I appreciate you guys. Oh, you big time. Thanks for letting us come on. Big game against UAB tonight. Blazers won last year's contest 35-3, to but we've seen South Alabama take major strides forward this year, looking at a much more competitive matchup tonight. How has South Alabama improved in year three at the helm? Yeah, def- definitely looking for for improvement. I think Bill Clark uh, was quoted in a recent article, head coach at UAB, that he thinks there's been improvement uh, at South Alabama. And obviously now with head coach Steve Campbell going into his third year and uh, – had good play against Southern Miss, won that game going away, but when he says he, he still didn't think they finished, and then the big word coming out of the two-lane loss was not finishing. So finish is literally plastered all over the South Alabama Jaguar locker rooms, the field house, the stadium. Uh, he wants to see his team finish after leading at one point 21-6 to to two-lane, and the Green Wave came back late and won that one by three. As a play-by-play commentator, you know all about preparing for a broadcast, and you come to learn a lot about the other team. What's the scouting report on UAB? So, Tyler, this was kind of unusual. We missed having a really good storyline for this game. Desmond Trotter, the Jags quarterback, he's from Birmingham, and here comes a team to Mobile from Birmingham. UAB was supposed to be bringing a quarterback to Mobile who's from the Mobile area, Tyler Johnston. Neither quarterback is going to be able to play. They both have bad or uh, shoulder issues. And uh, so both teams are going to have to go with backups. But uh, Lucero, Bryson Lucero, the UAB quarterback, uh, obviously from a very good high school program, IMG, down in Florida. Uh, he was a backup, but they say, uh, you know, he has a very strong arm, very cerebral about the game. And, you know, you look at the the guy at Florida, uh who's the quarterback for the Gators. He wasn't a starter in high school. Look what he's doing uh, right now. So I think they believe they're in good hands at UAB uh, at quarterback. And then their defensive front is as good as any 
in the group of five. And I think we, uh, we're in for a really good ball game here, South Alabama versus UAB. I know Trotter's not playing tonight, but it sure helps for a backup to be able to throw to Jalen Tolbert, a wide receiver as explosive as him, averaging 22.3 yards per reception. What dimension does he add to this offense? You know, and it helps him when you've got other weapons at wideout. And uh, right now the Jags have two of the top ten receivers in the country in total receiving yards, uh, Jalen Tolbert and Kawan Baker. Kawan Baker's actually on the preseason top 250 Reese's Senior Bowl watch list. And uh, then they've got Jalen Wayne there as well. But uh, Tolbert's really emerged as a deep shot threat. He's got great hands. He's a great route runner, uh, tough to cover. It'll be interesting to see how UAB handles that. Against Central Arkansas in their opener, they played, you know, more bracket receivers, four-man front, two linebackers, pretty much saying, hey, we're going to shut down your run. And then against Miami, it was, you know, a lot of cover two. And, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to try to do our best to, to, to play a, a deeper secondary and a lot of nickel. And, and I think respecting the South Alabama receivers at one level uh, would force that. But then they, they may want to come after Chance Lovertich and try to force us to run. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how both defenses handle the other team's offense. Last question, then we'll let you get out of here. Who's the guy on oh, okay. defense for uh, South Alabama that, will, uh, that needs to have a big day to slow down the UAB offense? Well, Nick Mobley has really – uh, led the way. He's had double-digit tackles in each of his first two outings. He's been conference player of the week uh, with South Alabama's win at Southern Miss. Riley Cole, he's another one of those Reese's Senior Bowl guys that the NFL is really salivating over. But I believe the the Jag defensive front, Janarius Johnson, Jeremiah Littles, they need to establish some dominance on the line of scrimmage. And that won't be easy, but if they can handle that UAB offensive line and, and, and try to shut down that run, they're, they're going to run that stretch play. They really love to go off tackle to Spencer Brown. He is a great blazer running back. He's high on a lot of their career rushing stat charts. Uh, and if he doesn't already own a record, he's going to have it by the time he leaves Birmingham. So I think that's uh, right there at the line of scrimmage is going to be pivotal for the Jag defense. I'm personally excited to have back Thursday night college football. I know you're going to be excited to be calling that game. Uh, J.D., I appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show today. Yeah, it'll be on the mothership, ESPN, carrying it national. And, uh, of course, we'll be right there with you guys on the network as well. We appreciate you guys being an affiliate part of that uh, great family of radio stations. You can catch the ball game tonight on Kicks 100.3. That was J.D. Byers, the director of broadcasting and play-by-play commentator at South Alabama. Running the point on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports. Noah Gardner here with you, now joined on the phone by Christian Page, contributor to CoverOne.net. Christian, how are you doing today, my man? Man, I'm doing well. appreciate you having me on, Noah. I'm just happy to hear from you. It's football season. Uh, it's always good to hear from a good buddy during this time of year, especially one with the vast knowledge that you have. Of course, you cover the NFL draft for cover one, especially the Auburn Tigers and other teams in the SEC, considering you're from the area. I know you're all geared up for SEC football this weekend. What are you going to be keeping your eye on in that Auburn-Kentucky game? 
Man, I think probably just inside the trenches. I mean, you know, Auburn virtually replaces everybody up front, and they return, you know, a decent uh, group of running backs, you know, headlined by Sean Shivers, who's right now penciled in as the starter, as we learned on uh, Tuesday of this week. And, you know, there's still going to be a lot of uses as packages with DJ Williams. Mark Anthony Richards comes from a red shirt. So I think there's just multitude of weapons on offense, but it starts with the core at that offensive line. And from one offensive line to the other, Kentucky returns four or five starters. Logan Stenberg, the only guy that is not coming back for the Wildcats. He was a fourth-round draft pick to the Detroit Lions and an all-SEC-type performer. But still, they like to pound the football. They're still kind of maybe figuring out things at quarterback. Terry Wilson can come back 100%. But this Kentucky team, I mean, this is probably the right opponent you want if you're looking from an Auburn perspective. Kentucky's a team that you can definitely beat but they still give you enough strength across the board to really figure out where you are week one for Auburn. You mentioned Sean Shivers at the beginning of your answer to that question and named us the starter. He's the smallest guy in that backfield. And some Auburn fans may not be happy with seeing him toting the rock, at least being the first guy to do it. I, on the other hand, I'm a little bit more excited about it. You know my opinion on it, but I want to hear what are your thoughts on Sean Shivers as a running back, or at least a viable option to be the guy out of this backfield this year? Yeah, he may not be your typical power run guy in between the tackles that you know we're used to seeing from the Trey Masons or Cameron Artis Paynes or even Carryon Johnson for that matter, even though he was more of a linear runner and more of a, a lengthier kind of slimmer runner. But still, you know, Shivers, he does pack a punch at the point of contact. You may want to see him, you know, be maybe more uh, – you know, physical as far as breaking tackles, maybe when guys hit them below the waist. And that's when you get the advantage to someone like DJ Williams, who has more of that powerful type running, you know, with a lower center of gravity, running uh, underneath his pads. But Shiver still brings just a lot of, you know, elusiveness to this offense. And I think maybe this, this decision may be more characterized by Chad Morris and how he's going to utilize Shivers. Because, you know, we saw him in certain packages the past couple of seasons with Gus Malzahn, but maybe more see something in Shivers that Gus and this entire offensive personnel maybe not have seen in the past couple of seasons. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how he's utilized in the passing game and really what role he's going to play. Of course, you know, we've seen in recent years and, and really in Gus Malzahn's whole tenure at Auburn, even if you're penciled in as the starting running back for week one, does not mean necessarily you're going to be the starting running back when the season comes to a close. But still, Shivers maybe that experience and just maybe there's something there that Chad Morris likes in his ability that he thinks can be utilized week one versus Kentucky. Even though you may be named the starting running back for game one, they, they may not end the season with them, but they may also not end the game with them. When you talk about how Auburn rotates and then also places all the oars on the depth chart, you, you really don't know who, who that guy is who's going to be the bell cow at running back for Auburn this year. For NFL draft purposes, uh, of course, once again, you do cover the NFL draft. Who's the player you will be closely watching in this game, Auburn or Kentucky? Yeah, I think the matchup I'm going to be watching is going to be Landon Young, the left tackle for Kentucky, and then Big Cat Bryant for Auburn. You know, we talked about Big Cat Bryant before and just seeing, you know, he has so much expectations coming into this season, but he still needs to clean up maybe some of just his pass rushing toolkit. You know, he has the physical attributes, the long arms, the heavy upper body. He has a lot of juice getting off the line, a lot of burst, um, you know, getting past that, that first wave of protection for uh, the offensive line. So, He'll be definitely interested to see, you know, how much he's matured, especially in his pass rushing arsenal. And then Landon Young, he's a long frame defender, or excuse me, a long frame blocker. 
um, has some quick feet. Maybe his anchor isn't at the NFL level as you'd like to see it now. But I think that matchup between Young and Big Cat Bryant, assuming that they're going to match up uh, in, in the trenches there, I think that's one you have to circle as far as NFL draft, draft purposes go. If there's something we've learned about teams playing their first game this season, it's been lower your expectations. These two teams obviously going against each other for the first time this year and playing football for the first time this year. What's Auburn got to do to win this game? I think do what they did last year, and that, that was winning the red zone, you know, offensively and defensively. I believe Auburn was third as far as red zone conversions last year on offense and one of the top in the league as far as defense goes. So I think if you can win in the red zone, of course, win in third down, I know that's just a very bland answer. And, you know, any team across the uh, across the country, if you win in those two categories, you're going to put yourself in an excellent position to win. But I think, you know, with the concerns we've talked about or potential concerns, I should say, we've talked about on this Auburn offensive line and replacing some key uh, contributors on defense, you know, if they can find a way to win in the red zone and capitalize on those not just field goals to actually get in scoring opportunities to get in the end zone and, of course, stop Kentucky from doing the same thing, Winning on third down, winning in the red zone, you're going to win a lot of football games there, and I think that should start week one, and that should continue from last season to this season for the Auburn Tigers. Last question, is there is there another college football game out there that's got your attention? Yeah, I think, and I think you're going to like this one as well. LSU and Mississippi State, I'm just very intrigued about what Mississippi State is going to bring to this SEC West division because it's something we haven't really seen. We've seen sort of some pass-happy systems, I know with Chad Kelly and Ole Miss, that was one. And then Bobby Petrino even doing some sort of that at Arkansas. So, But this one, I mean, it's 75-25 passing offense for Mike Leach coming over from Washington State. And really the guy that I'm looking forward to seeing, of course, is quarterback K.J. Costello coming over from Stanford. But Kylan Hill, the dynamic running back from Mississippi State, I think just that, that situation of how he's one of the more dynamic running backs in all of college football, how he's going to be used in this pass-happy system. And I think that's just definitely something to look forward to. And of course, how is LSU going to defend them? I mean, I think they only have two or three total starters on both offense and defense. So it be really interesting to see how LSU plays out to be in 2020. Christian, thank you for joining me on the show today. Tell everyone where they can find your stuff. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Christian Page and then follow everything as far as content goes on CoverOne.net. That was Christian Page, contributor to CoverOne.net. We'll be back with picks on the other side of this break on Running the Point on Radio Alabama Sports and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Running the point here on Radio Alabama Sports and Fox Sports Central Alabama. No Gardner here with you. You can also catch the show on demand, the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. If you're in your car and you're headed to work, you got to commute like I do, hey, go and check out the podcast. Once again, the audio podcast. You can just listen to that on your way to work every morning. But we're going to wrap up the show now with game picks here with Running the Point. 
starting it off with UAB at South Alabama. This is actually a pretty big game, and locally talking about the Central Alabama connection we have with UAB being right up the road here uh, as we're in Sylacauga and they're up in Birmingham. UAB a seven-point favorite over the South Alabama Jaguars. This one at 6.30 on ESPN. I hate to do this considering we just had J.D. on the show, but I'm taking UAB in this one. South Alabama has too much going on at quarterback with the injury to Trotter and trying to juggle that with their backup. I do think the game is more competitive this year than the 35-3 ball game from last season, but the difference in tonight's game will be UAB's offense is going to look smoother with Tyler Johnston at quarterback. Moving on to our second game, number five, Florida at Ole Miss at 11 a.m. on ESPN. Gators the 14.5-point favorite. This is the year that Florida wins the SEC East, in my opinion. Uh, I'm taking Florida, which may seem obvious, considering the line, once again, is at 14.5 points. A much more complete team. I'm excited to see what Trask does going into his senior season. It, it seems like a mixed bag with how people view Trask, whether or not he's one of the best quarterbacks in this league. He's definitely viewed as a top-half QB. Some people are down on him. Some people are up on him. But I, th I think he's... I think he's one of the best quarterbacks that this league has to offer, at least from an, an, an accuracy and a game management standpoint. I think he's going to lead this Gator offense well. Something to look from, though, here from Ole Miss is how their rushing attack does against the Gator defense. Talked about this in the first segment a little bit. If Ole Miss can run the football against Florida, I think they can run the ball against anybody else in this league, with the exception of maybe Georgia, because they might be the only other team in this league who has a better defense than the Gators. So that'll be something to look at. It'll give us an insight as to how the Rebels' rushing attack looks this year against some of the better defenses in the SEC. Number 23, Kentucky at number 8, Auburn. 10.5-point favorite are the Tigers, 11 a.m. on SEC Network. Brutal time slot for the Tigers, but I am still taking Auburn in this one. Chad Morris bringing some new concepts to the offensive side of the ball. I'm expecting a more refined passing performance from Bo Nix. Both teams are run first. Both teams have good defenses, but I give Auburn the edge in the passing game. I just I'm not as... I don't think that Terry Wilson is is able to manage the passing attack at Kentucky as well as Bo Nix is able to do it at Auburn. So I, I'm going to take the Tigers in this one. Better receivers, better quarterback, better result. Number 24, Louisville at number 21, Pittsburgh. Three-point favorite are the Panthers. And color me surprised that Pittsburgh is favored in this one. This one at 11 a.m. on ACC Network. Louisville was exposed on defense last week, and that probably is why they aren't favored in this one on the road. But the question is, will the Cardinals do the exposing this week to the Pittsburgh defense? Pittsburgh hasn't played anybody. That team they've played so far is Syracuse. Beat them 21-10. Accuse is not one of the better teams in the ACC. I think Louisville will do the exposing this week. I'm going with the Cardinals and the loss against Miami. Malik Cunningham, the quarterback, showed he's one of the top QBs in the ACC. 307 passing yards and three touchdowns. He just didn't get help. His defense couldn't get stops. He hooked up with 2-2 Atwell for eight receptions, 114 yards and two touchdowns. Pitt's, defense, Pitt's decent, but not good. They got a good defense. Decent, once again, not good. I'm taking Louisville in this one. Now let's get wild. Mississippi State at number six, LSU, 16 and a half point favorites are the Tigers. 2.30 p.m., CBS, finally have SEC football back on CBS. Like I said, let's get wild. Mississippi State will take down the defending national champions in week one and expose LSU as overrated. Overrated. Auburn, coming off their 2010 national championship, probably lost a similar volume of talent, or maybe not as much, 
and started out the year in the AP poll ranked 23rd. Still went 8-5 and five that year in 2011. LSU loses 16 starters and some of the, and some of the fringe players because of opt-outs. They lose 16 starters. Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. They, they lost so much. And they come in ranked 6th? Get out of here. Mississippi State, LSU, I'm, I'm going to call this one going into the fourth quarter. I'm going to say it's going to be like 21-21, 17-17. Gross game going into fourth quarter. Both of these offenses, I don't think Mississippi State's offense is going to be inept. I think LSU's is. But I think LSU's still got a good defense. Won't let Mississippi State look great on the offensive side of the ball. But who are you taking? in this very close game going into the fourth quarter when an offense has to make a play to break it open. Are you taking K.J. Costello, the Stanford grad transfer quarterback with over 4,000 yards to his name, hooked up now with Air Raid and Venter and Connoisseur, Mike Leach, the pirate guy? Or are you taking first-year starter Miles Brennan with almost no game experience who lost his offensive coordinator, his offensive line, his best receiver, his running back? He's lost everything. This man's thrown into the fire and now has to be a leader. In this first game, I'm taking Mississippi State. Sorry, Ed Orzeron is not the quarterback whisperer or a whisperer of any sort. So I can't believe I'm saying this, but once again, I trust Mississippi State's offense to make the plays when it matters. Moving on to our next game, going to head out to the Big 12, number eight, Texas at Texas Tech. 18-point favorite are the Texas Longhorns, 2.30 p.m. on Fox. It's going to be like a knife cutting through warm butter when Texas slices through Texas Tech's defense. Texas Tech gave up 600 yards to Dallas Baptist. Only one by two, 35-33. Have a blast, Sam Ellinger. This might be worse than last week against UTEP. Give me Texas. Moving on, more Big 12 action. West Virginia at number 15, Oklahoma State. Eight and a half point favorites are the Cowboys. 2.30 p.m. on ABC. This is going to be a fun game. And it's, it's one of the harder games to pick considering the injury to Spencer Sanders, the quarterback for Oklahoma State. If he's not playing, the Oklahoma State team that struggled to beat Tulsa last week, 16-7, to that's going to be the team you're going to see West Virginia play. And I like West Virginia handily in that matchup. I still like the Mountaineers to win this game, even if Spencer Sanders does play. Oklahoma State's passing offense, not one of the better ones in the Big 12. I think that West Virginia is going to key in on Chuba Hubbard and make Spencer Sanders beat them with his arm. And I think West Virginia is going to get it done in this one. So I do like the Mountaineers. I certainly feel better about this game, though, if Spencer Sanders doesn't play. American Athletic Conference action here. 22 Army at 14 Cincinnati, who is favored by 14 points, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. I'm a little shocked at the line on this one, considering how impressive Army's been through their first two games, but it, it has been against bad teams, ULM and Middle Tennessee State. Army's quarterback has only thrown two passes this year. That may sound like... That's impressive, or that, that that's good, considering they've only played two games and they've just ran over people, and we know they're a triple option team. But I actually think that one's going to work against the Black Knights in this one. Although the bread and butter is the triple option rushing attack, and they are going to run the ball rather effectively, but I don't think they're going to be able to throw the ball when it matters. Triple option teams and triple option coaches will still tell you that you have to throw the football to, to at least have a chance to win a game because Cincinnati is going to cut key in onto this rushing attack, and, and they did give up a nice chunk in their first game of the season. But I think Cincinnati's robust passing attack is going to lead them to victory in this one. Continuing on, SEC play here, number two, Alabama at Missouri. Crimson Tide favored by 27, 6 p.m. on ESPN. 
maybe I should pick this game against the spread because I do not trust Missouri to even keep this one close. Alabama's going to win. Let's don't make this rocket science. They're superior in every aspect of this game, and it's not even close. With that being said, I won't shortchange you on information. Let's watch this game uh, with some actual intent to, to see if Mac Jones, how does he look running this offense? Is the offense intricate? I guess some of the complaints about Mac Jones and Steve Sarkeesian's offense at the tail end of last year was how it was It was pretty simple. It was definitely looked like Mac Jones was was – managing the game will Mac Jones appease the Alabama fan base that is definitely against him right now it's pretty split down the middle he's been a polarizing figure at least about his game he has and then let's also see how Missouri's new starting quarterback Sean Robinson plays the TCU transfer Vanderbilt at Texas A&M 31 point favorite are the 10th ranked Aggies 6 30 p.m on SEC Network alternate and you know when a game gets stuck on the alternate that it's going to be a blowout Question here is, will the Aggies cruise to victory with that 31-point line? I'm taking Texas A&M, of course, handily. Watch the game to see how Texas A&M looks because they've got a lot of hype on them this year. This is a major contract year for Jimbo Fisher. Win or lose, I mean, let's be honest. If the guy gets fired, look at all that guaranteed money he's got on that whopping contract that he signed three years ago. And A&M over here is like, man, we've got 7-5, 8-5 every year. So... A&M, do they cruise to victory over the worst team in the SEC? If not, why? And will other teams be able to expose that as the year goes on? Tennessee at South Carolina, 16th-ranked Vols. Only three-and-a-half-point favorites over South Carolina. Was building a giant Gamecock statue. It's it's like bronze or something outside their stadium. Something to scare the kids as you walk, as you walk up. 6.30 p.m. on SEC Network, South Carolina. They were thumped last year by Tennessee, 41-21, to when Tennessee was just beginning to get that upward trajectory. Tennessee won seven of their last eight games. South Carolina lost five of its last six. The trajectories are going to be more of the same this year. I like the big orange in this one. Last game to pick here, Florida State at number 12, Miami. 11-point favorites are the Hurricanes. I think this one's too low for Miami after how well we saw them play last week against Louisville, how bad we saw Florida State look against Georgia Tech. And now we know Georgia Tech after how they got beat by UCF, who is a good team. Now we know that Georgia Tech, yes, is still in the bottom half of the ACC this year, and Florida State's right there with them, below them actually. 6.30 p.m. on ABC, 12th-ranked Hurricanes, roll over their rival that they've won three straight against, make it four. Rhett Lashley is in his groove, and now he's got his Nick Marshall-like quarterback in De'Eric King Hurricanes. I think that they're a contender in the ACC this year, especially if North Carolina doesn't kick it up a notch. I'll even say that Miami covers the spread. I think this one could get ugly, embarrassing in this rivalry game. That does it for another edition of running the point on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports. We thank you guys for joining us for another edition of it. We hope you see you guys next week, same time, same place. You know where to find us right here on Fox Sports Central Alabama at Radio Alabama Sports. So long, everybody. God bless.